John Spitzer, author of Finding God Again and Again. John, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thank you for uh, letting me participate in this. I'm really excited about it. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about your book. Um, so, you know, to get started, tell us about your book. What's it about and, and why did you write it? I, um, um, <clears throat> I decided to write this book. Uh, I started in 2001. Um, I had had uh, relapses with my testicular cancer in 1998 and then again in 2000. Uh, my original cancer was in 1985. Uh, I had just finished my uh, second year of medical school. Um, and uh, so I was, you know, relatively young at that time. But in 1998, when I had my first relapse, um, my wife and I had already two kids. Uh, my son was five years old and my daughter was two. And so that was a little bit on the scary side, thinking that I was starting to have relapses with cancer and, uh, and I had a young family. Uh, and then having another relapse in 2000, and uh, all of a sudden you start thinking, geez, you know, back-to-back -back relapses, you know, how long am I going to last? Yeah. And, um, and so um, I thought it would probably be a good idea if I started writing something down, uh, what I knew about life, what I knew about my faith, uh, so that if I passed away, I could leave something for my son and daughter. And so that was the beginning of the book. It was 2001 when I started writing. Um, I wrote the first eight chapters of the book fairly quickly, like within a six-month period or so. And, uh, and it was more of an account of my uh, past history, uh, growing up as a kid, um, how my faith played uh, part in my development uh, growing up as a kid and becoming a teenager. Um, and then, um, oh, it kind of takes me into uh, the diagnosis of cancer and then the relapses and what I had learned um, about uh, prayer, what I had learned uh, from reading the saints. And, uh, and so I thought I would leave that information for them. Uh, what was interesting was that I didn't die. Uh, <laughs> and so I went through a, a good five-year period uh, from like about 2002 to 2007, where I didn't write at all. Uh, and yet, uh, somehow, um, my spiritual path had taken off in a direction that I really didn't have a good feel for, didn't have a good control. I knew I wanted to be closer to God, didn't know how to do it. Uh, I was thinking I needed to pray, pray every day, but I think I was in retrospect, what was happening was I was in need of uh, spiritual direction at that point. And, um, and I was kind of spinning my wheels a little bit. And um, so I did meet a priest uh, in uh, 2005. And uh, he was very gracious to want to meet with me on a monthly basis. And, and he started guiding me in my spiritual development. And so I mentioned to him that I had written this book which turned out to be part one of now how the book is published. And I said to myself, you know, gosh, maybe I want to continue to write and write about my spiritual development. And so from part two and into part three of the book, uh, it's all more contemporary. As I was going through my spiritual development, what I was experiencing, then each chapter started coming out. And I would say I was writing a chapter about once every year to once every other year, roughly. Wow. 
That's great. Uh, yeah. And so finally in 2019, I said to myself, you know what? I, uh, I was thinking about the book too much. I was uh, becoming attached to it. And the priest had mentioned to me, right from the point of view of uh, more of an introspection, trying to figure things out for yourself, but don't become attached to the readings and don't become attached to what you're writing in the book. Um, and so I realized in 2019 that I was really becoming attached to the book, wondering, gosh, maybe I need to publish it. And I said to myself, you know what? I need to just publish it, be done with it. And if people enjoy it, if people feel that it's beneficial to them, then it's God's will. That's a great way to look at it. I mean, really just uh, <clears throat> surrendering and trusting the, the process, it right. sounds like. Um, yeah. But the, that whole process took 18 years. Did I hear that correct? From like 2000? Yeah, so, <clears throat> so by the time, roughly, yeah. And by the time it was really published, it was um, earlier this year, 2021. So I could almost look at it as going from 2001 to 2021, a good 20-year period. <laughs> well, that's that's a great uh, testament to the power of patience and perseverance. I mean, so many uh, so many writers just want to get a book done and out, but I mean, good for you for having the the patience to stick with it. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a plan, you know, other than <clears throat> initially it was just uh, a journey. And I just kept writing more as a way of self-discovery. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but then eventually, then eventually I realized I, I had to uh, kind of finish it up. <laughs> right, right. And so um, I know your book goes into detail about your spiritual development and your spiritual experiences, but could you share a, a little bit about that? I mean, especially when you did relapse um, with the testicular cancer diagnosis, I mean, maybe start off there, like what's going through your mind? Did you, did you question it? Were you, were you angry at God? Were you just, I mean, how did that affect your faith? And then moving forward, how did you see your own spirituality develop or your, or your affect your faith? Yeah, it was uh, very interesting. So, um, I'm going to kind of mention a little bit about my background, um, on my dad's side, uh, we're Irish um, and German, uh, Catholic from that side. Um, but my mom is from, uh, she was from Colombia, South America. And so a uh, fair amount of Catholicism, Catholicism on that side as well, too. So I grew up as a Catholic, um, went through all the sacraments like we do uh, in terms of baptism and uh, confession and so forth. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to say, in retrospect, um, um, my faith was maybe perhaps lukewarm uh, from the point of view of uh, we went to Mass on Sundays, and that was pretty much about it. Um, so, um, and we prayed at dinner time, you know, thank God for dinner and, and so forth. But when the testicular diag cancer diagnosis happened, and I was, uh, so I would have been 24 at the time. Um, it was a little bit scary. Um, what I remember, um, the, the, the immediate memory that came to me at that time, so as I'm finishing up my second year of medical school, was uh, the memory of being in college, and uh, I played soccer uh, all four years, and um, I, uh, I remember a teammate came down with a cancer, and uh, we were in the middle of our soccer season, and it was very scary. I mean, all of us in the locker room, a bunch of guys, you know, around 20 or so, 
we really had a hard time talking about it. Um, I think it really touched us at a personal level. It was very threatening and we didn't want to, um, I don't know, I don't think we wanted to talk about our feelings. Uh, so we just went out and played soccer um, while he had to obviously leave the team and went through treatments and so forth. Um, but that's, that made an impact on me. And uh, so when I had my own uh, diagnosis, um, I remember that feeling and thinking, being a little bit scared, but now it was me. And I was the one who was going to have to step up and, and be tough about it. Um, so I went through, um, through the chemotherapy and surgeries through that summer. Um, but I have to admit that what initially started out as just plain naivete, uh, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it eventually wore me down. Um, and, um, oh, you know, nutrition wise, I wasn't eating as well because of the chemotherapy and, um, I gradually lost strength. So I couldn't exercise like I used to. And, uh, and I saw myself drop a fair amount of weight, uh, over a six month period. And, uh, so I really became pretty weak and, uh, and it was a tough battle. Um, and so very slowly I started to get mad at God. Um, and I, and I think that, um, it was, it was, uh, as far as from the point of view of, I had been, I felt like I had been faithful before and, um, I didn't think it was necessary in my own naivete. I didn't think it was necessary for God to test me in my faith. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I was disappointed and felt mad that God was testing me. Um, and so, uh, there was a little bit of rawness with that. And, uh, and eventually I came out the other end, and, you know, by God's grace, I recovered. And, uh, and I did have to take a year off from school, but I was able to get back to school the following year. Uh, but that kind of stayed in the background that, that I was upset with God. And I eventually, you know, went back to church again and, and did mass and all that stuff. Um, so I think I sort of kind of stayed at that level. Uh, going to mass just on Sundays, praying at dinner time. That was pretty much about it. Um, I'm going to say maybe perhaps very one-sided, you know, where I would pray for my own benefit. I would pray asking for favors. Um, and then, um, then I got hit with the uh, relapse in 98. And, uh, and that was very scary because then I really started thinking, oh my gosh, I might lose my life. I might yeah. die. Yeah. What was, what was that like? And so I, I knew what I had to do in terms of, fortunately, because I had been having my blood drawn on a regular basis and I was staying up to, up to date with my appointments and whatever else for follow-ups, I'm going to say things got picked up relatively early. So I just needed to have surgery and there was no need for chemotherapy at that time. Um, but it was still a difficult surgery. And so I had to take some time off from work to recover. So this would have been like, uh, I'm going to say in the spring <clears throat> and I took a couple months off, uh, when I got back to work, it was like June or so of that year. Um, I right away immersed myself in the busyness of work, but I found myself, uh, becoming impatient at home and I was uh, getting frustrated easily and I started not sleeping well at night. And, and I couldn't figure out what was making me so uptight and what was making me so um, 
negative, I guess you could say. And, um, and finally, by the end of August, I was exhausted. Uh, the whole summer had gone by and I was just really, really tired and, and just, not, uh, just not feeling any joy in my heart. And, um, and so I was talking with my wife about it and uh, she said, you know, there's a friend of ours who is very spiritual and uh, she um, was a Christian scientist uh, very devout, very much into daily prayer. And she said, maybe you want to talk with her. She was a good friend of ours. And so I gave her a call and we chatted on the phone for a good hour and a half or so it seemed like. And, uh, and after a long talk, uh, she said to me, you know, John, I really think that you're hanging on to life too hard. You know, you're, you're thinking you're going to die. You want things to be better by yourself, but you're not really take, letting God take care of you. And when she said that, it was like a ton of bricks off my shoulders. Mm. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're totally right. So she said, why don't you, why don't you go into church tomorrow and just go pray? And uh, maybe perhaps you want to do this on a daily basis. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> but okay. So at that point, my son was in kindergarten. So the very next morning, I dropped him off at school, walked into church. I had no idea what I was doing. I prayed for like five minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm all done. You know, now what? And uh, so that was the beginning of my journey for daily prayer and trying to understand what was prayer all about. Um, so anyway. Yeah. And, and I know you've, you've written and talked about different types of prayer. I mean, are there different types of, of prayer that you feel were helpful to you then and now? You know, I, uh, so there were, yeah, there were a number of prayers. So as I went through my development, I'm going to say from 98 to 2000, when I had my next relapse, um, things began to change for me a little bit um, because my prayer at the time in 1998 and, and after that first relapse uh, was more about petition, more about my asking God to help me out for favors, that kind of thing. And, uh, and very slowly, as I started reading a lot about the saints, um, then I started to appreciate that even though in my head, I kept saying, well, I would just want to be a servant to God. I wasn't really feeling it in my heart. And, uh, and, and from 98 to 2000 is when I began to change in my prayer about really wanting to be a servant of God in my heart, you know, not just thinking about it. And so when I started doing that, I had that change of heart. Then my prayer then started to become uh, more humble, more giving. And it wasn't more about me anymore as much as, God, what do you want me to do now? And, uh, and so um, I, I, I would say that's probably what changed a lot between 98 and 2000. And, um, and, and the prayer of, um, of Charles de Foucault, um, he, um, gosh, I think, I think he's, I think he's been in, um, I think he's called into sainthood already. I know that there was, he was in the process of being, uh, becoming a saint, but I, and I honestly, and I can't remember if he did already or not, but his prayer was the prayer of abandonment. Um, and, uh, and I all of a sudden became attached to that prayer where I was really just letting go. 
And I was just saying to God, do whatever you want with me. You know, I am here just to do your will. That's all. And I started praying that on a regular basis. And I would say between that change of heart and that prayer, um, I then uh, was able to start to see myself sort of in a humorous way um, that my first relapse was uh, because I didn't do my homework to write the first time. My homework <laughs> being learning how to pray. Okay. And so I was being given a second opportunity and it was like, okay, I can learn how to pray better. Wow. Can I let, can I let go? Yeah. And uh, can I just let God take care of me? And so I was like, okay, I think I can do this. <laughs> and so, and oddly enough, um, as I was going through that phase and changing my heart and changing prayer, uh, I actually in church one day felt like I was going to have a relapse again. Uh, and that's when I started having these thoughts of, okay, I'm going to have a relapse. I will be okay. But it's all about trying to do my homework right the second time around. That was the feeling that I walked away with when I was in church that morning. And I was like, hmm, this is very interesting. And so, um, you know, I was having my blood drawn uh, during that time. I want to say it was like every other month. And, uh, and boom, sure enough, in 2000, my tumor markers went up. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. This is, the, this is where I get wow. to do my homework again. <laughs> and so then I really, really focused on um, letting go and just letting God take care of me. And, and I remember going through general anesthesia for that second surgery. Um, and right before going under, just saying that prayer of Charles de Foucault and that prayer of abandonment and saying to God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So, and when I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, when I woke up, I was shocked that I was alive. I was like, this is incredible. So, it was quite the experience, no question about it. Yeah, that seems very powerful. I mean, it sounds <clears> like for you, you looked at this as an opportunity to really give your life in service to God and, and trusting His will to, to, to guide you wherever and whatever that may be. Right, right. Um, that's that's a really powerful way to 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 look at it, um, and you know how how does that show up in your life? I mean, did, when you when you is it is it an inner for you? Isn't it is it an inner knowingness? Um, is it a feeling in your heart? Is it an intuition? Or is it? I mean, when you say I'm giving my life over to God, I'm trusting in His will. I mean, what does that look like for you? Um, so, um, I'm going to say, uh, probably I, I look at it from, I guess I see myself in two different positions when I'm at work, taking care of kids and, um, and when I'm at home or, you know, doing other activities. Uh, so at work, um, I, when, before I walk into a room, I, I try to, um, center myself. Um, sometimes I take a deep breath, actually, um, try to relax. And then as I walk through the door, I'm literally, I, I sort of feel like I'm walking through a phase. I'm walking through a space, an environment. I'm not even sure how else to verbalize it, where I'm like, I am here to do your will, God, and just point me in the right direction. Okay. And so... Um, and I, you know, I don't know how many people believe in this, but I like to believe that um, we all have spiritual guides and we have 
um, um, angels and, yeah. you know, maybe even relatives, you know, <laughs> who are with us. And, um, and so when I walk in, I try to walk in with that respect that I'm about to see a kid who has around him or around her um, spiritual guides, relatives, whoever. And I, I ask him to um, help me out, try to be in tune. So I may physically be using my hands. I may be using a stethoscope uh, to see the kids. Um, but I think it goes beyond that physicality. I think there is something spiritual with those encounters. And I just simply ask that they point me in the right direction so I can make the right diagnosis. So from that point of view, um, you know, I, I try to make myself available and just say to God, I'm your instrument. Just tell me what I need to do to help this kid out. Uh, and, you know, when I'm at home and when I'm, you know, in, outside of work, um, I sort of take the same attitude, but maybe perhaps um, not as purposeful as when I'm at, in the office and I'm about to walk through a door, you know, right. open up the door and walk into the office. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a really good way to look at it. Do you ever, do you ever question that? Do you ever think, man, you know, I, I think I know what God wants me to do here, but I'm just not sure. Um, yeah, I'm going to say sometimes that happens. Uh, and I, um, it, when I feel like that, sometimes I acknowledge that it's me that's causing the trouble. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, yeah, I'm like, some okay, resistance. My mind, yeah, exactly. My mind is busy. Um, <laughs> my, you know, maybe perhaps I'm wanting to get my way. Yeah. Uh, whatever the situation may be. And I, so then I have to say to myself, okay, take a deep breath. You know, let's kind of tune in a little bit better. And, and I sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I will pause, you know, I'm talking with a parent and, you know, and I, I'll shake my head and sometimes I'd look at the wall, sometimes I look at the floor <laughs> and I'll just say to them, I'm trying to think here and, you know, and I'm kind of shaking a little right. bit, you know, and, and so, because I just want to um, make sure that I'm in tune with what's sure. the right thing to do. So good, good so, for yes. you. Yeah. Taking that time to, to reconnect and center right. and, um, and, you know, tell us more about your, your work. I mean, if I understand correctly, you are a pediatrician, is that right. correct? So right. tell, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people know what pediatricians are, but I mean, tell yeah. us, you know, I mean, what's, what's your work life? I mean, what's your work like? I mean, what do you, what do you do as a pediatrician? Um, so we'll take care of kids uh, starting as babies, uh, yeah. newborns, and it's just incredibly exciting. <laughs> uh, and we, in our practice, and I realize every practice is different, but with our group, we will draw the line around 21 years of age. Um, so that uh, at that point, I'm going to say a lot of guys and girls are getting done with college, and, uh, and I think they're ready to move on to the adult world. And so then we'll uh, try to encourage them to go see our colleagues in family medicine or internal medicine. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'm seeing everybody from newborn all the way up to about 21 or so. <laughs> and having said that, I do have a couple of guys that are like 22, 23, and uh, we're trying to work our way through making that uh, transition. But uh, yeah, it's very exciting. We do a lot of routine care. Um, there's a lot going on with development uh, in the early ages and um, making sure the kids are growing well. and They're uh, achieving their milestones like they're supposed to. And, um, and then, you know, things and things change. I mean, it's like 
you know, um, the life of a baby and, and the uh, advice that we may give to a parent uh, on preventative care mm-hmm. is different compared to a five-year-old parent and compared to the 10-year-old and the 15-year-old. Uh, and I have to admit, I really enjoy talking also with the uh, with the guys and girls for our like late teenage young adult years uh, because they're starting to discover life on their own and and it's just incredibly exciting to see what they have to say and maybe perhaps I need to give them some words of wisdom and whatever so so it is kind of fun that's awesome that's great and you know I've I personally have always thought that science and spirituality is, support each other I mean I'm I'm assuming you do too, but I mean, can you talk yeah. about, um, you know, uh, uh, how do you integrate your spirituality and your faith um, along with being a, a, a pediatrician? It's uh, so, you know, at one level, and I guess you could say at the internal level, you know, what I'd mentioned to you earlier, you know, <clears throat> I'm about to walk into the room and yeah. I try to center myself and I try to connect uh, spiritually uh, to make sure that I'm doing things the right way. Um, at the uh, external level, um, I try to be respectful uh, of people's, uh, where people are with their spirituality and their religion. Uh, and so I never, um, I don't try to push on them what I believe in and what I feel and what my faith is and so forth. But if the topic ever comes up, if the conversation is going in the direction where um, maybe perhaps uh, there is some sense, maybe they have questions, maybe there's some hunger that might be spiritual in nature, then I don't hesitate to ask questions to see where they are, what is it that they're looking for, and then I m- might say a few words, uh, but otherwise I, I usually let them take the lead, um, I don't try to, uh, to push that, just because I, you know, I, I think every, uh, people are at different levels, yeah. And, and I don't want to come across as somebody who's like really pontificating and, and, you know, preaching and whatever else. So I just let them take the lead. That's smart. So it's for you. It's very, in, <clears throat> it's spirituality is very internal and very introspective, but also external in the sense that you're very respectful and, and right. mindful of the people you're working with. Right, right. Um, and, you know, another, another topic that sometimes comes up, at least for, for me in my mind with, with science and spirituality, um, is, is death. Um, and I mean, you know, I'm wondering, you know, when you got your diagnosis, um, especially the relapse, I mean, it sounded like you had some thoughts or fears that you might die. Did I hear that correctly? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, did you, what were those thoughts and did you have any fears that you were going to die? And I mean, how did you handle that? Yeah, so um, when I first got diagnosed uh, back in, so I was 24 years old, uh, my faith at that time was, well, I guess I should be thankful for the life I've had and, uh, and for God being kind to me and showing me different things and whatever else. And so there, I'm going to say there was a fair amount of gratitude that kind of uh, seeped in into my thoughts and my feelings. And, um, and I was thinking, well, you know, if I make it through, um, then it's God's will. And, uh, and I'll be thankful for that as well, too. But if I don't make it, I totally understand, and and that's the way it'll be. Uh, and of course, that was you know at when I was 
first diagnosed. And like I said before, as I went through my chemotherapy and surgeries, and I gradually became weaker, then I very slowly started getting mad at God. And, and, uh, and so that was that initial phase right there. Um, but um, yeah, I think that um, um, things definitely changed by the time I had my relapses uh, and just getting closer to God. Yeah. And did you ever have any fear, fears of death? Like, I mean, obviously your faith is very strong, but were you ever afraid of like, uh, you know, what's going to happen if this, if I do die? Yeah. So in that first relapse, um, I was very afraid uh, because my son and my daughter were five and two. And I was saying, oh boy, you know, I'm going to leave them to my wife. And I think my wife probably would have done an outstanding job uh, raising them. Yeah. But no question about it, it would have been a challenge for her. Uh, I think I really feel for a lot of circumstances, a lot of situations, regardless of how things came about, where a parent is trying to raise by themselves their kids. And, uh, and that's just a very difficult challenge. And, uh, and so I could see that uh, with my wife if she was going to be by herself. So in that sense, there was that fear. You know, I didn't want to leave her alone. Uh, trying to raise the kids. Um, but um, I have to admit that uh, from, the, from the personal point of view, uh, the spiritual aspect of it, I was thinking, if I die, um, my soul is going to eventually go with God. Yeah. And so from that point of view, I really, uh, I guess I, I would say I wasn't too afraid. Um, I think my faith was holding me um, steady. Uh, I, so my fear actually was more that I didn't want to leave my kids alone. I didn't want to leave my wife alone because I just felt like it was going to be just a tremendous responsibility and it was going to be difficult. Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I mean, again, this, this whole process, it seems <clears throat> like, you know, this 20, maybe 30 year process has really had a profound effect on you. I mean, it sounds like it has gotten gotten you closer to God and more at peace at your with your life. I mean, have you noticed any other effects that it has had on you or the people around you? Um, I think <laughs> so. One of the things that's been kind of funny uh, because um, I have to admit I've I've been very private in the past, um, and uh, so I have really. I, I don't go out of my way to tell people that I'm very religious or very spiritual or so forth. You know, to me, it's always been very personal. Uh, but when I, uh, when I, when it came to publishing the book, then I was like, my first thought was, well, I'm going to have to let people know where I stand and what I think and so forth. And, and questions may come up. And so my, my then overall question was, am I comfortable with that? Um, and so I had to kind of think about that a little bit. And then um, I think that, um, I think it was just, um, it's, it's kind of funny how these things happen. You know, when, when God, at least as, as it has happened in my life, when God has called me to do something, um, I have felt the strength from God tell me, it's going to be okay. And you can do this. It's, and so that was the feeling that I got when I came to the conclusion of, okay, I think I'm going to publish this book. 
And so that was, then I started thinking, okay, I'm going to have to talk to people. I'm going to have to uh, share my thoughts and whatever else. And God's saying to me, it'll be okay. You can do this. Um, so, so anyway. No, I mean, good for you. I've, I've definitely talked with other authors who have shared similar things. Um, and I, I, I actually wrote and published a book probably like 13 years ago about some of my own spiritual experiences. And I was, I was very, very anxious. You know, what are, what are people going to think of this? You know, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it definitely is, but it sounds like for you, I mean, what it's gone well, I mean, what sort of reaction have you gotten? People have been very supportive. Um, and, and there have been some other people that I kind of wondered how spiritual they were, who actually came out and, and were very, um, were able to relate a lot better, uh, because now we had a theme that we could share. And, uh, so that's been kind of fun. Uh, to be able to share with them. That's great. And does, does this, did this ever come up in your, in your work as a pediatrician? I mean, anybody you work with, I mean, what did, did, did they say anything about it? The book? Um, I've had, uh, I've had some of my partners who have looked at the book and, uh, and so they said they have had some good, nice comments. Um, and then some of my coworkers as well, uh, medical assistants. And so, so yeah, that's been kind of nice. That's been supportive. That's, that's really cool. Um, and, you know, what advice would you have for other people who might be going through um, a really tough time in their life, whether it's a, it's a medical diagnosis um, or a family uh, problem or a personal crisis, and their, their faith is being tested? Um, I mean, what, what, any words of wisdom or advice for them on how to help help them stay close to God and, and, and maintain their faith? Yeah, it's, boy, I'm telling you, this is a journey, uh, that in itself, um, trying to figure that out, uh, because um, I think, at least as, as it was for me and um, my discovery, I think that one of the things that's really challenging is that um, we, we have... And, you know, of course, by God's design, we have free will. Uh, we have our own way of doing things. And, uh, and we sort of kind of learn, I think more people, some people more than others, we learned that we can actually make things happen. We can, we, we can do things right. And we sort of kind of build through time, through life. We build this, um, this uh, system that says to us, you can do this yourself. Um, and so I, that's where uh, then the struggle comes in when something hits us hard, uh, with like a medical diagnosis of cancer, for example, or maybe life is gonna be threatened in some way. Um, maybe we're encountering a life situation uh, that makes you feel like, um, you know, life is really miserable. Um, maybe perhaps somebody died in the family. Um, maybe we're going through a divorce. Um, so there are a number of challenges that can really hit us hard. And we are, we, we have this system in, in place that says, well, you know, you can do this yourself. You can, you can make it better by yourself. And, uh, and all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, I thought I was, um, I thought I had a relationship with God. I thought I could have God help me out, but it's not coming through. I, I don't know what's going on. 
And so that's then where the struggle begins, because I have my will and there's God's will and there's God's divine providence and, um, and, and God knowing a little bit better than we do about <laughs> what's the right thing to do. What's our right path. And yeah. we can't see it necessarily, but somehow we have this system in place that says we can figure this out by ourselves. And so it's a real struggle, you know, trying to, um, kind of set our, um, set our will aside a little bit, uh, or maybe perhaps better trying to have our will come in line with God's will, trying to figure out what God is trying to say to us, what's the, what's the path we're supposed to be taking. Um, and so now we're talking about prayer, you know, what, what does my prayer look like? Uh, and so for me, you know, it was all about, you know, petition and, you know, I pray to God that this will happen and so forth. But could I change it to a point where I'm quiet and maybe perhaps I can be receptive to what God's trying to tell me? Maybe perhaps saints are trying to talk to me. Yeah. Um, maybe relatives are trying to talk to me. I don't know. But can I be receptive to that spiritual world out there that's going to try to guide me and tell me what's the right thing to do? So I think I hear you saying trying to quiet our mind and being open to the the thoughts and the guidance. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's excellent. That's yeah. Excellent. So that's that's the challenge I think that and that's in itself a journey. You know, yeah. and it's not like I say to myself today, "Oh yeah, I need to be open minded. I'll be better tomorrow." It just doesn't happen that way. Right. So it does take time. Yeah. Um, would John, you've shared a, a lot of wisdom and, um, with us today, and I appreciate you also sharing a lot about your life experiences. Is there any other topics, um, you know, that you were hoping to, for us to cover today? Man, you know, I, I want to be respectful of your audience and I don't want to necessarily infuse my, my beliefs and, you know, that are mainly because of I've grown up as a Catholic and the Catholic faith. But I, I think we sort of kind of touched a little bit on um, maybe perhaps acknowledging that um, we don't live by ourselves, uh, but yeah. we are connected, you know, with everybody, not just here on earth, but I think that uh, we do have spiritual connections and, and people pulling for us. And, and, and I think that that's, um, you know, if we can somehow center ourselves, maybe perhaps have our prayer go in that direction where we can be receptive and learn how to listen. I think that we would probably do a lot better, I think. I, I think so too. And I think that brings people a lot of peace knowing that, you know, whether it's it's an angel or God or a relative or right. whatever, whatever you want to def define or connect to that we, we, we do have this, uh, this spiritual support system reaching out to us. Right. I mean, it actually reminds me of one of my favorite movies that's more popular around the Christmas time. It's it's a Wonderful Life. I don't know oh if man, you've seen yeah. That. Oh, you many know, times. Yeah, I try to watch it once a year around Christmas time, and uh, <laughs> the main character he's um, contemplating suicide, and the the right. angel comes down to help him. And you know, I think that's a pretty powerful, you know, visual uh, theatrical <clears throat> representation of you know, the type of spiritual support that, that is available right. to us. Right, right. Yeah. Clarence. 
Yeah, 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 that's right. I was trying to remember the names. Clarence, yeah. and the guy's name is Bailey. Is that his the yeah. main character's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Baileys. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, sound, it sounds like that's very similar to what you're talking about, just being open and receptive to this type right. of spiritual support system that we have. And, you know, when we do that, we it does, I think you're right, it gives us a sense of guidance and, and also just the sense of, of peace and protection, just knowing that that's right. available. Right. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, John, uh, for sharing that. And, uh, you know, if people want to get a hold of you um, or learn more about you or get your book, you know, what's the best way to, uh, for people to either get in touch with you or find out more about you or your book? Yeah. Um, so I do have a website up uh, for the book uh, at www.johnspitzermd.com. Okay. Um, so people can learn more about the book. They have the ability to email me if they want to uh, make contact that way. So, yeah. Um, well, that's great, John. Um, yeah. And well, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. It was really, uh, like I said, very, very fascinating, very insightful and, and also very inspiring talking to you. It's definitely, you know, hearing you share your story that, that you know, lifts my spirits and lifts my faith too. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm sure it will have a, have a lot of, have a very positive effect on a lot of people. Oh, and I appreciate you, Matt. Thank you for having me. It's uh, really been an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, me too. All right. Well, John, this has been great. And um, I will uh, look forward to, to connecting, connecting soon. All right. Thanks, Mike.